Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. We got a return trip with a guy who really deserved a return trip to the show. Uh, as I think I said last time, you know, this is a guy who's one of the most important figures in modern rock and roll. And I guess modern rock and roll now stretches back to this fucking 60s, but uh, stretches back 60 years. But uh, I guess it's just an old timey rock and roll, really, one of the most important guys. And uh, wrote, uh, and, you know, crucial player in television. Uh, it's funny. You know him as Sill, of course, on The Sopranos and in a similar role in the E Street Band. But his new memoir, Unrequited Infatuations, really shows you that this guy is a television producer also and a high-level operator uh, on or off the guitar and uh, one of the most soulful guys walking the streets and honestly uh, a brilliant human being uh, who's done a lot of good in the world despite having some questionable taste in which band should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, every, little Steven Van Zandt, everybody. Hello, Brian. <laughs> How's it going, man? How you feeling? What questionable taste. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What questionable taste? Well, you, I, you, I, you I, you don't think you don't think Procol Harum should be in? You, you don't <laughs> think Jay, Jay Giles band should be in? No, you know, I would never vote for the Jay Giles band. No. Are no. you kidding? Oh my God! How is how is Mo? Now here's where I, how is Motorhead? How the I should, fuck? I should hang up. I should hang up the phone right now. We can be done. How is Motorhead not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Before Jay Giles. Yeah, you don't think Lemmy, really? you don't think in terms of the influence, uh, an influence on the history of modern music, on on a legacy, does does Metallica exist if Lemmy Kilmeister doesn't pick up that bass guitar? I'd say fuck no. I love Lemmy. I, I knew him. All right. I, I, I actually, I liked him personally. Uh, yes, he was important, and yes, he should be in. Before Jay Giles, no. Yeah, I mean, I see New York Dolls nominated, and I believe me, I've seen plenty of David Johansson shows, and I compare, I say, ask any rock fan if Ace of Spades is a better song than any New York Dolls song. <laughs> what? Show me that I love Mark Mendoza. Like, I'm a, just, where's the New York Dolls song that's better than Ace of Spades? Like you pick up a guitar and play those in front of an audience, and what's the audience gonna pop to? Ace of Spades or some song on the failed second Johnny Thunders record? I will. I, we, we 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 can disagree about this all day long, but uh, let's just uh, let's just let, let's just agree that they both should be in. Can we do that? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, of course <laughs> we can. But no, as a, you know, I'm a voter. I'm a voter in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I'm not a nominator. So I'm relying on you to nominate the artist that I can I can vote on. And uh, when I see Motorhead gets a blip, right? They get on one year and then they're off before anyone can tell the story. It, 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 and it, the reason I bring it up is your book, you spend a decent amount of time in your book talking about why this matters. And, and so, and, I, and I, I think it's not a bad entry point for a second to talk about why, why rock and roll matters, and I distinguish it from pop music because there's this great moment where you and Bruce have a conversation in the book uh, about the difference between being a rock and roll artist and a pop star. And what is in your mind, what is it that is particularly liberating and important? You know, why is rock a part of liberation theology to you? Let's put it that way, since liberation theology is so important to you. Well... Um, this, is, this is a two-hour discussion by itself, uh, but um, uh, let me see if I can soundbite this a little bit. Um, we got time, brother. Well, well, first of all, rock is about bands and, and pop is about individuals. So, so immediately you have a different communication going on with a band. It's not me, me, me. It's us. It's the, it's the, the posse, the gang, the family, friendship, and it communicates that which is a different communication completely than look at me, I'm in the spotlight, you know. Um, it begins there. Um, for some reason, the rock genre, um, thanks to Bob Dylan, has been the most um, substantive genre of all the music genres. For some reason, it carries the messages 
the, the, the most effective way. And, um, and I think I mentioned in the book, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's first cousin, it's, it's progeny, uh, you know, next, next, next in, in terms of uh, importance in, in, in communicating substance, I think would be reggae, uh, very, very, a very close second. But, but um, there's something about the rock idiom, you know, the rock, the rock, um, the, the, the tradition which began now the rock tradition, as opposed to rock and roll, which was, you know, uh, the precursor, you know, the, the pioneers, but the rock tradition beginning with Bob Dylan um, established a, a way of communicating that, um, that travels worldwide. And, um, and so uh, I feel it's important enough to, to, to save it, it is, it has been an endangered species. And uh, I spent the last 20 years trying to preserve it, you know, because I feel it's that it is that important. I, I want to talk a little bit about, and you mentioned Bob Marley a lot in the book, Jimmy Cliff, you mentioned reggae, uh, and, and which is a liberation theology, no doubt about it. Uh, but, but you also mentioned Pagels. I've read those books. I know those books. I, I know the, the, all the, the, you know, the, those ideas. And I, I guess I'm interested in the kind of liberation you're after now as you for people through music meaning because it, it seems to me you could have done so many things one reads this book steve and and you can't come away from reading this book without understanding just how deep and smart a figure you are and you chose at various times to do various things to change the world but you keep coming back to rock and roll as the prime vehicle for you and i'm interested in why well, um, it's what I've had most access to, you know, it's, it's where I began and, you know, it's one of the things I do best. And, um, you know, by the time I got into the TV and film world it was pretty late in life. And, uh, you know, I wish I, I wish I had the access to do more of that and, um, and could very well, uh, use those media to, to um, you know, to do to you know explain various things that's going on in the world. I mean, uh, it, it just happens to be the you know the medium that I I I've done most of my life and uh, and I know the best. And like I say, I've had access to it, although it's been a struggle. Even even that has been a struggle to have access to it. But uh, um, I guess of the three media, you know, it, it's the cheapest. <laughs> it's the one well, you can. Yeah. It, it, but it's but the do most you also think that yourself. there's but but is there also something primal about the tra the 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 translation in that comes from rock and roll? Meaning, is it a way that you don't have to intellectualize? Because you know you're in the book, you have this tremendous capacity to intellectualize, and it's funny, right? Because Sill doesn't. He's smart, but he's streetwise. And Miami Steve, it's the same. He's cool as fuck, and he's got your back, and he's loyal, and knows which end of an ace is up. But he's not an intellectual. But Steve Van Zant's an intellectual. Steve Van Zant's read all the books. Steve Steve Van Zant is a student, and late in life, you know, uh, once he was a grown up. But but I, I, is there still something that you're able to express primally through the instrument that that is more vital in some some way for you? Well, no, no question that of all the, of all of the uh, media of all the arts of all the art forms, uh, music is is the international language. I mean, there's no, there's nothing second when it comes to that. You know, you, you want something that transcends language, obviously, you know, uh, and that begins with, you can say it begins with rhythm, uh, but, but certainly, you know, music would be the you know, prime way. If you want to say something internationally, that's where you want to start. The other, you know, sort of essential component of rock and roll in general, is the fact that we travel to do it. You know, huh. I mean, you can you can do TV at home, you know, you can make films at home, you know. I mean, they have their location moments obviously, but you know, rock, man, you're in a different, you know, town every other day. And sometimes uh, you know, a different country every other week. 
And I think um, if you do it right, you know, if you don't stay in your hotel room, you know, which I never have, uh, if you actually interact with the people, the local people, you're going to learn something. You know, you're going to learn something about that culture and you will then use it. You know, I, I tend to use whatever I do. You know, I, I can't read a book anymore just for fun. I need to know that it's part of my research for something. You know, why? Uh, you know, I just, you know, at a certain point, you just, you know, and I, I may, I may go back to leisure time at some point in my life, but I don't feel like I have leisure time ever. You know, I just, I just feel like I'm, I'm running to, to catch up and, and then try and get as much, you know, productivity as I can, uh, you know, while I still have the energy to do it. Um, you know, I, I probably have half the amount of energy I had, you know, 10 years ago. And, and you know, so you're, you're really, you're, you're running in place at times, you know, trying to get things done while you can. And, um, you know, that's all we can do is try and realize our potential any way we can. I mean, it seems like there's always also been this um, dichotomy at play or this tension between your ability to harness yourself in an incredibly disciplined, focused manner and your desire for some kind of hedonistic release at the same time. It, it, there's a tension of that running through the whole book. You know, you're saving the world and having menage a trois. It's like they're, they're, you're, you're on these dual, it feels like these dual bands, uh, not band like rock band, like these, these, these paths that are, well, they're complementary, but they're also like, you know, there, there feels like there is a tension between those, those things somehow. Well, I, I find them complimentary, personally, you know, uh, I, I just I, I, you know, people say, well, you know, how come you don't go on vacation, you know, to some nice warm beach? And I'm like, if I want to go to a nice warm beach, I'll go work at some nice warm beach. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll just I'll just choose that nicer uh, environment to work in. Um, I don't understand the concept of separating these things. And this is my own, you know, and uh, I, I freely admit that, that uh, you know, this may not be the right thing, but um, I try to integrate when I can uh, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of everything every day rather, rather than, you know, okay, I'm going to go out and work and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to go on vacation and, and, and live my life or, or, you know, the European, the European method of living, which is, which is, uh, you don't uh, live to work like we do in America. You know, you work to live. Um, you know, we, when we work, you know, we did the Lillehammer in Norway. I mean, don't call them after five o'clock. I mean, we, I mean, we were working eight hour days. I mean, and that's not, not eight and a half. You yeah. know, you work eight hour days because that is not their life. You know, uh, it's my life, <laughs> but it's not yeah. their life. You know, well, it's and, this and, weird, you know. it's this combo of, um, but there's a, I, I understand all, all that and those French, the French hours idea and being able to work the way that they work in Europe is so appealing I, on these shows I'm on. I, you know, that I, it's impossible. You can't get the, you, you somehow can't replicate it here. We haven't been able to on any of our things to replicate it here. I know, I know, uh, I know. But, but I guess, can you talk a little bit about, you know, you chose a, 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 a career that rewards total abandon at the same time as you pursued it with complete discipline. And I guess that's the, what do you get out of both of those things is kind of what I'm asking you. I mean, these come up in the book, it's why I'm, you know. Well, it, it, it's purely, I think, the evolution of the art form. Um, you know, we, we, we got to a point where you just couldn't, you couldn't do both. You really couldn't do drugs and do a great, live show at the same time okay right. it got to the point where you know it was no longer productive there was no drug in the world that's going to allow you to do a very exciting three and a half hour show you know and if there was you'd be dead in a week uh, you, you know well yeah the story uh, of you quitting you know everyone on blow during the darkness period or whatever except bruce or however that worked and then you just being able to decide well, I mean, what is it in you that's able to, I guess that's what I'm asking. What is it in you that's able to exert discipline uh, as, you know, or to balance out, like, so there's abandon and then there's like, okay, it's time for 
discipline to come into play? Well, uh, you know, I'm, 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 <laughs> it's something that is uh, becoming more and more challenging. Believe me, uh, I'm having a lot of problems with discipline lately. <laughs> a lot of problems. Um, but, uh, you know, in the earlier days, uh, it becomes a, a priority, a simple priority. You know, what do you want to do? You know, you want to be great. Or, or not, you know, and uh, because for me, as, as we discussed last time, my life is chasing greatness, you know, I seek it out, I, I, I search for it, I, I support it when I find it, and I try and achieve it when I can. That's the whole story. That's the whole story of life. Now, whatever helps me do that, I'm, I'm into, you know, but they haven't invented the right drug yet, you know, uh, you know, so... You know, I, did you finish the book before you guys made Letter to You? Um, no, no, no. I wrote it during the quarantine. Because you didn't really talk about Letter to You that much, that much in the book. You know, uh, I mean, I read the whole, I read the whole thing closely, and you know, no, I, 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 mean, I, 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 I tell people, I, I tell people this all the time. I said, you know, if you want the definitive East Street Band book, this isn't it. You know, uh, no. I, I, I had really, you know, I, I just wanted, I, I did what was essential. In fact, I did more, I did more, uh, I, I, Bruce is in the book more than I intended. Uh, you know, I, I suddenly found myself analyzing, you know, part of his life that I never had before in that darkness on the edge of town chapter, you know, which was just something that I wasn't aware of at the time. So I was kind of like, you know, analyzing it for the first time. I found it quite interesting. So I, I ended up, you know, spending some time on that. But I'm not, you know, they, they, I'm sure there'll be other guys, you know, coming out with, with very, you know, very, very detailed East Street band books. But that was just not my intention. That was not why I wrote the book. Um, it, you know, it's a, it's a part of my life. It's an important part of my life. But it's not my life. No, of course. But but uh, but it, it seemed to me as a, as someone who watched that documentary real close, I think Zimmy's great. And uh, watching that documentary close before I read the book and then going back and looking at certain moments and trying to reconcile. Because when one reads this book, man, we, we understand how you see yourself, how Bruce sees you, and how, you know, in helping as part of your life is to translate that vision and to protect what you and only you kind of, right? As the guy who who first, you know, was around this and started to recognize it, and the way your analytical mind, which again, people might not know if they don't read this book, how analytical you are and how perfect your memory and all that incredible shit. Uh, but you know, there's that great moment in the doc when, when you look at Bruce and you go, ah, oh, it's important information, you know, about whether to replay that riff. And I was trying to just see, does the guy in the book come to a place where he's happy with the role? Meaning, are you in, it seems like you're enjoying it and you are clearly the musical director if there is one, but is it fulfilling for you in that way when you're standing there and he's playing down the song and you're finding the way to, 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 to manifest it? Well, there's not there's nothing more fun than that. Uh, I mean, I like yeah, arranging yeah. more than more than life itself. You know, I mean, it's just so, it's just fun for me. Um, my role in that in that regard has been you know less and less important through the years, to the point now where it's down to just details. You know, I'm always going to have an opinion. Um, you know, and I'm always going to be able to make bad things good, good things great, and great things better. And if I if I don't have anything to say about something, it's in really good shape. <laughs> so I right. can say because I'm a really good troubleshooter. Well, were you and aware gonna, that you guys uh, were making a great? Were you aware you were making a great record? Because like it's uh, I, my I was talking about this with my friends who were like, like if you guys would have made that record 25 years ago, it would have been a great. It's a great Bruce and the E Street Band. It's the best one in 15 years. So like, were you aware of it? Were you guys aware of what was happening? Yeah, I, I know it sounds a little bit um, inside, you know, inside the ballpark or whatever the term is, but the process matters, you know, I, I, and these days, you know, we're, we're so technological about everything. We think, well, you know, nothing really matters anymore. You know, there's no, 
there's no real human element uh, that we can't fake, <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if people you know don't know I mean? who are listening, I, I'll tell like, so just tell if people don't know who are listening, like now, if someone wants to make a record, what they could do is you could send the drummer the song. He could put a click track. He could send it to you. Then you can add guitar, right? Meaning yep. you can make an album in entirely different countries if you wanted to now. Which was what happened during the quarantine, by the way. Uh, you know, you know, I produced uh, two records myself that way. Um, or you can sit in your room and do the entire thing yourself also, by the way, you know. Um, but there is this, this, you know, and maybe it's imperceptible, I don't know, to, to the to the normal listener or, or viewer, but um, but it makes a difference to me. I mean, the way that the way that thing was recorded and the fact that we did it in four days, Amazing. you know, uh, and um, and also um, for the first time that I can think of, and um, you know, you'd have to ask him about this, but I think that's the first time he ever completely conceived an album and wrote it um, before we recorded. Right. You know, which is how I always do my records, yes. but but he never does. You know, he he's a little bit more exploratory and a little bit more. You know, because he's got so many songs in his head, sometimes he just needs to get them out and then see what, you know, what fits together and what kind of a puzzle he's doing. But but in this case, it seemed like a very, very specific theme, you know, about um, both the Castiles and E Street Band, you know, about his job, you know, his life's work. And, um, and um, I think that also mattered. You know, it, it had also helped make it extremely coherent um, yeah. and really um, and, and with the band being as big as it is, you know, it's probably the biggest rock band, you know, with, uh, you know, not only two keyboards, but also, um, you know, three guitars now. I mean, there's just no reason to overdub anymore. Right. You know, you really literally you can play the parts. You, know, you can just play the parts as you go down. Right. As it goes down. Yeah. 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 So so um, so it was so it was it was it was uh, memorable for for a number of reasons. Going back to the old way, the last time we recorded that way was born in the USA. Just to show you, yeah. just to give you a little perspective. <laughs> you know, we yeah. hadn't recorded that for the way three for four. the three songs according to the, your book for the three songs you were on on Born in the USA. Right, you said that you guys recorded three songs or four songs, but then they went away because you weren't on Bobby Jean and you weren't on. A bunch oh, the, of them. oh, yeah. Except for the three songs, I didn't, I didn't do. You're saying, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I said oh, it yeah, backwards. Yeah, Sorry, I said it backwards. Yes, I said it backwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. But most of Born in the USA was done that way and the River, but that's been 40 years since we recorded that way. You know, so <laughs> it was, uh, uh, it was one of those things that. Um, I'm just glad we got it in right before. Right but before from your perspective, yeah, and, and this isn't the part about Bruce. I'm really asking about you. And, uh, because what I'm asking is, because one of the things when we read the book, and, as, uh, and I just loved, is that you seem to have this ability to be, and it's why you're a great arranger, I guess, and producer, you know. You're able to be completely in the moment, but then running alongside of that is your analytical producer, arranger brain, rock historian brain, understanding where it fits, meaning you're able to lose yourself, but you're also understanding where it fits. It's very amazing as you read the book to see that. Most no, people, it, it, yeah. Yeah, right? no, Most I, people I, don't do that. I know what you mean. Um, it, it, it is, it, it, that, that's just true. I, I, uh, I can focus on the smallest detail and I also can really uh, make sure the big picture. Apprehend is, the it, big picture. And so as yeah, you guys, this is what yeah. I'm trying to ask is because you're, you're, you know, as you, one thing that someone gets when they read the book is they get how much this shit matters to you, Steve, on every, beyond just, I want it to be great. We all want it to be great. But like, you measure everything by what it could be and if you can get it there and, 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 and help get it there. Whether it's changing, you know, a world thing, an art thing, a girl thing, it's like, can it be great? Can I get it all the way there? Uh, yeah. And so- yeah, and, and, and that, and that. That, but that that's due directly to growing up in the Renaissance, which we talked about last time. You know, you grow up in the 60s and your standards are ridiculously high. And I mean, nothing has come close to that to that era. And I, I, I don't think we'll be it'll be it'll be studied for hundreds of years to come, I believe. That's how that's how significant it was. So 
you, you grow up completely taking that for granted, that kind of quality, you know, and then you realize, yeah, but, oh, oh, that was finite. <laughs> that's not that's not going to happen every single decade. But, uh, but a lot of people <laughs> you know? grew up in the 60s and appreciated that music and had a hit record or two and, you know, uh, and let it just kind of become a glowy, beautiful memory. But what I'm kind of wondering is like when you're there and Bruce is playing down these songs and and brings back, if I were a pre, you know, brings back the two songs he should have. And as you're taking it in, playing these parts, is part of you also like, we're riding again. It's not like we're not just going through the motions, like we're fucking riding again. Like this is the real thing. And does it, do you go home and just like, are you floating? Are you floating that it's that it's still possible for you guys to grab that again, that together? Well, I mean, you know, floating might be a bit a bit much, but but uh, I certainly was very very happy. We we decided to work that way again, and uh, and and I think that the the proof, you know, as they say, is in the pudding. I mean, you know, listen listen to that thing, and everybody who's heard it, you know, feels like how vital it is and how, you know, how just how human it is and how alive it is because you need that interaction. I don't care how talented you are, you know, and Bruce has become a, a terrific arranger himself and, and producer uh, through the years, you know, um, I don't care how good you are. You can't think of everything and, 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 you know, you shouldn't think of everything, you know, you need that interaction to really achieve that magical chemistry that is a band. And that is what rock is. Rock is the interaction, you know? I mean, uh, Pete Townsend, you know, uh, arguably the most brilliant writer uh, of all. No way he's, he's, he's writing those Keith Moon drum parts. There's just no way, you know, in his demos, He's doing those Keith Moon drum parts, okay? Or even those John and Whistle bass parts. No, we've you heard know? the demos. The demos are beautiful songs. We've all heard the demos. They're they're incredible, but they're not, I agree, they're not realized in the way that The Who is realized. No doubt about it. No. And, and, and that is an essential part of that particular art form, is interaction with other people, you know? And because it, ultimately that's what you're communicating. You are communicating that friendship and interaction. You are communicating community. And that's why it was exploded the way it exploded on February 9th, 1964. And I mean, there's never been an explosion like that ever. And, you know, it was more than just their haircuts. And I'm gonna you send know? people to read, read the book because you gotta understand while Steve's saying all this and it's true, against his own self-interest in a way, he was one of the key people who told Bruce to release Nebraska as it was, not as a band, as demos. I don't want you to tell that whole story now because I don't want this to go off into a Bruce memorabilia uh, conversation, but people should go look at it. But again, not because of what it says about Bruce and, and you know, Nebraska's top 10 album of all time for me. And I, I loved reading about the way in which it happened and your contribution to that. I know John made it, you know, a few people made those contributions, but you were very significant in making that. Con contribution. Let, let's talk about about you as a, a, a writer. Of oh, few, one, you mentioned ADHD a bunch, and I, I have bad ADHD. It tortured me for a lot of my life, and I've taken Adderall for periods of time. I've gone off it. I'm not. I, I haven't. I've been off it for seven months now because it, I don't like the side effects of it. But but I was tortured in school because of the ADHD stuff. It, I, and, and we were, you know, I'm uh, whatever, 15 or 20 years younger than you, but still in my generation, even they didn't diagnose that, you know. Um, do you think that if you'd had that shit somehow regulated, your life might've gone off in a different direction that, cause you know, you didn't really become the huge reader till you were in your twenties, right? Yeah. Um... I'm not sure what effect that kind of drug would have had. Uh, I, I I didn't have the the kind of uh, condition that was debilitating. Uh, it was kind of the contrary, you know. It, for me, it, for me, it, it kind of works, you know. Um, my because it allows is, you to hyper focus and go go go. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not so I'm not so hyper that I can't focus. Okay. My problem is I can't wait around for the rest of the world. 
no, to catch up. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my problem. I mean, my problem is lawyers and accountants. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if we could remove them from the picture, you know, uh, I would I would get a hundred times more done. But but I mean, also the hyper focus of but also the hyper focus of going, which is such an ADHD thing. I don't even know you, how much you've studied it, but when you describe Steve making those four albums in a row row just for yourself basically to complete the concept knowing they might not come out for 20 years or you didn't have a deal for them or the deal was going to fall through it was a sh- and yet you like persisted to just go like i can't i can't think of do anything else until i do this that's yeah. a very adhd high high functioning but a very adhd kind of a thing right yeah, and- yeah, i know i know but but I, it also goes back to you know my father, who you know, gave me just a couple of a couple of little bites of wisdom, and one of which was finish what you start. You know, and, and, and you know, as, as simple as that sounds, you know, uh, you got to really work at that sometimes to finish what you start. You, you know, you, you got to really kind of take that seriously, and um, because because it's very easy for people like me and maybe you to be distracted or to you know. To, to, to go the 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 road uh, you know the easiest easiest road um and then you end up a lot of half finished things i mean well because it's i have, the, I, I have some half finished things I, I i told you i have a, you know in, in the book i have a you know a half finished broadway play uh that bothers me every single day every single day i think about it you know uh so the things that i don't finish uh, I tend to stay with me. That's why at a certain point I stopped uh, writing songs unless I had a, a reason, you know, unless I had a purpose. I, st- I started doing things strictly with purpose and knowing that they were going to come out. And and um, I won't record music anymore until I have the lyrics finished, you know, which is not the way you, when we started recording, you know, you would tend to do the music and then figure out the words later, you know, um, so I, I try to do everything I can to make sure I'm going to finish what I'm starting uh, in every, you know, in every endeavor. Yeah. And, and but related to this, like, I guess when you said the thing about lawyers and accountants, uh, another thing in the book that's amazing is just what a great businessman you are for other people, how you're able to figure out so well what this artist or that person should do and you're not you're not just bullshitting around about it like you do it it changes their life it sets them up it positions them you know you change the jersey shore rock scene by yourself and that's clear that the legacy of that is is clear and that, but at the point where it's going to maybe profit you the most that's where you kind of end up stopping short it seems yeah, I'm just, you know, like I say, I'm allergic to money is what it comes down to. You know, uh, I just uh, I've had I've had opportunities. Believe me, it could have been a book of lost opportunities, you know, get, getting to Sirius Satellite when the stock was nine cents, you know, uh, getting to Netflix when the stock was 40. Yeah. And you know? not buy not just figuring out how to get it all. Yeah. And and not buying you know not 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 buying any you know and uh, and you know and a hundred opportunities like that where, where you know I could have I could have cashed in but I just I just don't think that way you know and I I, I just I I've always felt that I could earn a living you know and somehow have managed to do it but in the end uh, honestly my life is really the story it's it's the when you you know, know when you say when you say on the book in when you say in the book and on the last podcast. You say, you know, leaving the E Street Band, and I, I understand really, and, I, you know, you, the thing you said on the podcast, you ended up saying in the book after about feeling dead on the airplane and on, and how it freed you and all that stuff. But you also talk about how you could have been rich if you'd stayed in the band. But you've still had 25 years in the band after that. So do you think you'd ever allow yourself to feel rich? I mean, you're still among the highest paid musicians in the whole world. Well... <laughs> It's a little bit complicated, but but um, I tend to like I said I, I I don't like waiting around for yeah. deals to be done, you know, and you know, so I end up spending money on my own projects, you know, such as my Broadway show, which is probably the highlight of my artistic career in terms of a, an accomplishment, right? But lost lots lots of money, 
you know, my festival lost lots of money. My overhead just to keep the three radio stations and and record company and publishing companies uh, to keep my business going costs money. You know, I mean, I, I don't make I don't make nothing. I do makes money. Uh, Wait, outlaw even outlaw radio and and garage. They lose, they lose money. Garage under the Sirius doesn't own those. You own those still or something. So well, uh, I own the formats. But, you know, and, and they and they distribute them and, and they pay for a lot of it, but I don't make anything, you know, and my and my syndicated show has never been sold out with with commercials, you know, well, that's great as two. it is. I got to say to people, I mean, that I, 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 I got to say, first of all, how have I, how, how have I not done an, uh, one DJ set on uh, Garage uh, the uh, underground. I, I mean, I, I, I could play the shit out of that music and really make my argument about Motorhead, but uh, I could really make the Motorhead argument right there on the air. I think it's. That's, I think that, it's, that, that's not going to help you get a DJ gig. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Motorhead will not help you get a DJ gig on my station. That's because I don't think you're really thinking about what the antecedents of that music are. I don't think no, no, you're really no. drawing the lines. I don't play everything, okay? I, I, what I play actually makes sense with each other, you know? And yes. you're not going to play Motorhead, you know, into the Temptations. It's just not going to work, you know? But, uh, so that, okay, so I understand now. You, it's that you're not someone who can just, you know, other guys could maybe let the E Street money be the thing and that's their life, but your ambitions don't allow that to be the case. Uh, yeah, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I'm not, you know, whining and complaining throughout the book. Uh, no, you know, no. I, you know what I mean. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not complaining about money. You know. Yes, I do just fine. You know. I mean, we're. we're I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I say that over and over. You know, the luckiest guy from the luckiest generation. You know. No, it's so, just that you. To be, I, it's I, just I, that I, you. I, when you I, talk I, about, you talk in the book about, about. I, I would say it's interesting. It's. It is. An underlying thing in the book is your own anger at yourself, though, about missed opportunity. And I guess what I'm wondering is if that is some kind of fuel for you, meaning it, the thought, because a lot of people would consider all the things you ac have accomplished, Steve, and really feel fucking good about themselves, man, and just feel like they fucking won, you know? They fucking did it. Like you say, your own Broadway show, Lilyhammer, the first ever, you know, over and over these incredible accomplishments. Not to mention when you would just take an artist and go, I think I know the song for you and help them have another 10 years or, you know, all these things that you did and, and being the lead guitar player in, you know, the one of the three or four most important musical acts in the whole history of, the, of music. And yet, and yet throughout you're kicking yourself in the ass the whole time for where you fall short. And I wonder what that pathology is. Well, I mean, I, I, that's not exactly true. I mean, I, I totally enjoy all the success that I had. And I, and I say that. I say, look, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I, got, I enjoy the success of E Street Band and, and, and Disciples of yes, Soul. Yes, yes, of course. Yes. And the Fun City Project. I mean, I've had some great successes. I mean, we're so much fun this, this week. Um, you know, Ted Sarandos and the Netflix people are celebrating the 10th anniversary of Lilyhammer this awesome. week. And, uh, you know, and, and just seeing all of that press come out really makes you feel good. You know, it makes you feel good. like, wow, you know, even though we were first and kind of, you know, nobody knew what Netflix was when Lilyhammer started, you know, now over the quarantine and, you know, people are starting to rediscover it again. And uh, it was just nice that Netflix really, really gave it, you know, the, 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 the total tribute and respect, you know, yes. That was nice. That was nice to see. But um, but look, I mean, generally, when it comes to my own most personal work, that's where, you know, it runs into, uh, you know, it's a little bit less commercial than we would like. I mean, but that's, you know, that's not most of my life. Most of my life is it's a mixture of many things. And my own artistic life uh, has been the triumph of art over commerce. Let's right. face it. You know, it's supposed to be a marriage of art and commerce, you know, but uh, it just I never quite I never never quite got, gotten there with my own personal work. And, and that doesn't make me think any less of it. You know, I, I, and I, I'm totally proud of, of everything I've done. 
And, um, you know, you keep trying, you know, maybe one of these days. You know, well, it seems I'm, to me you're a, it, it, uh, even reading the book and then going back to the records. Uh, would you say that in a strange way, and it, it actually goes back to the conversation about what is Merritt's Hall of Fame, is that you're kind of a formalist in a way, I think, that you you set out to do an idea, like in a, the way, in, in, if we're talking about visual art, like a, uh, in, in the way you're... You have a formal construction of what you want this particular project to be, and it's going to live inside of that uh, formal uh, idea. So if a record is going to express a certain kind of heritage of rock and roll, that's what the thing is going to be. If it's a bar band, that's what it's going to be. And it's it, it's just it feels to me like it's serving the concept in a very formal, direct, proper way, which... I don't know if that lines up with the most commercial prospects always. No, that's a good point. You know, that's a good point. That's that's why I, I uh, looking back, you know, uh, writing the book made, makes you really transport yourself back. And I and I and I realized uh, I, I that's why I gave such such incredible uh, gratitude to, to Steve Popovich, who signed the Jukes, and then encouraged us to put you know ronnie specter and lee dorsey uh, on the records that, and and that was a completely non-commercial decision you know you have guests on records to help them sell more that's it there's no second reason to put a guest on a record okay you know unless you're a super super big star and you know whatever but but you know when you're starting out you know and and there he was encouraging that he, we, we you know we reunited the drifters the coasters and five satins who people had forgotten about already back then you know they they, they meant nothing you know um and and um and here's steve popovich a record company guy encouraging this behavior you know and i'm like i'm like what a miracle that guy was you know to that to have him in my life uh, at that time. Well, yeah, that, that same guy figured out you and Jim Steinman is an amazing thing if you think about it. like what that guy figured that out. This thing, incredible. He, you know, everybody laughed when, when he signed Meatloaf. People laughed at him. Literally turned him down for a year on radio. Crazy. A year. And in those days, you didn't work a record for a year. Okay? That just didn't happen. No, you know, of course. You might work it for a month or two if you know if you're related you know if it's a cousin but uh you weren't working a record for a year and, and having people slam the door in your face you know he just he just totally uh believed in what he was doing but but just uh, what a remarkable bit of uh luck it was having him in my life you know what i mean so you run into these people from time to time that kind of um fit in that crazy picture that um that formality picture you're talking about where I guess I do respect categories. I, I think you're right about that, you know? And I, and, and to me, the challenge, I, I've said this many times, I know people find it hard to believe, because uh, I've done both, but doing something completely original is actually easier than doing something that competes in a category that people are aware of, you sure. know? And I know people find it hard to believe, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm probably the most proud of my Christmas songs, you know, because you're competing uh, yeah. with fucking jingle bells for Christ's sake, you know, you know, you're competing with these things that are so ingrained in the culture, and you know, it's like writing a blues song, you know, and you're competing with Willie Dixon, you know, I mean, if you can compete with that man, you are really now you're in the big leagues, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and, and doing anything great is not easy. You know, I don't mean to say that, but 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 you can do something completely original. I think easier. I mean, both things are both things are. Uh, I would say when I think about that, both things to do something truly original. I, I, I to me, the way I read what you're saying is, to do something quote unquote original, it's is is easier than to do uh, the thing where you're competing. To truly be an original is so rare. You know, then you're in Prince terrain, even though he stole your coat. Um, but <laughs> but that just, I just, I honestly feel, you know, it's harder to write Louie Louie than The Wall. I really feel that, you know. It, it's harder to write, you know, <laughs> Gloria than, than, it, than it is, you know, 
uh, whatever. It, it, you know, I just feel like, I, I just feel that way. It, it's it's the simpler the simpler things are, are not necessarily easier. Is what I'm saying, and and you have to have a respect for tradition, and really ready ready to take that on, take that challenge on. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm finishing the Darlene Love album a few years ago. You know, the, and and you know. And she says, by the way, I really want to do River Deep Mountain High. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you talk about this in the book. It's a great piece of the book. <laughs> I'm like, you want to do what is regarded as Phil Spector's greatest record? <laughs> really? You know, like, I don't, I don't have enough to worry about. And the you thing know? that, like, made everyone quit on it. Like, his greatest record and biggest failure at the same time, at the time, yeah. right? Yeah, but, what, what, but what's interesting now, you see, when you compare the two records, you know, uh, it's interesting because because Darlene Love was supposed to sing it originally, supposedly, you know, and she'd been pissed off ever since. So that's why she wanted to do it, you know, because, uh, you know, they were already having some some trouble. Uh, but anyway, but when you compare them now, it's it's fascinating because I think when you get up to the upper register, you know, Tina, you know, one of the greatest singers of all time, undoubtedly. But she has that, you know, really uh, gritty, bluesy R&B Spiky. Her voice is spiky up high, whereas Darlene's is rich. Darlene's is still rich and uh, fluid or whatever. Yeah. Yes. She has that smooth gospel thing. And ironically, I think if if Darlene had sung it back then, I think it would have been. It It becomes the hit record. Yeah. So talk a little bit about uh, uh, how you decided on the shape and scope of the memoir. Meaning when you decided you were going to do this, how did you think about how you how you wanted it to, to be? Well, I, I, I um, the main thing I wanted it to be was useful. Um, uh, you know, so I I, um, I told my editor, uh, Ben Greenman, who was a terrific editor, uh, I said, listen, man, I want to balance three things. Yes, we have to do the narrative, which is, you know, the least interesting part to me. But I also want to do history because I've witnessed most of the history of, of rock and roll, except for the first decade. And uh, I want to do the craft stuff. I've been involved in a dozen crafts and um, I want to pass along what I can, you know, what I've learned uh, and maybe it'll be helpful to somebody else. So if we can balance those three things, you know, the history, the narrative and the crafts, um, I think it'll make for an interesting, an interesting book and something that's a little bit different than a typical biography, you know, because I just wasn't really interested in a typical biography. Um, I just don't like myself that much <laughs> you know i'm not it doesn't hold my interest that much you know i mean i love like, that I'm approach more, i'm more interested in, in what i've what i've seen what i've you know what i mean the things i've done the things i've seen i think that those things are, are interesting those well in that section about lenny k i thought it was great it brought it all together you know because you're talking about your feelings with because the night and everything going on there jimmy then you talk about lenny and you know, I love that Lenny got that platform in because he's such a modest cat and he is, you know, I, I don't know. Well, with your memory, you probably do remember, but you and I were both inducted people into the Long Island Hall Music Hall of Fame and Lenny was there that night. And that's what kind of brought me. That's how me and you met again. We were Lenny. We were standing with Lenny K. I think I was inducting. Uh, maybe I was inducting Debbie Gibson or my dad. I don't know which one of them because I did it two different years. One year I inducted Debbie and one year I inducted my father. And then, uh. and and you were there, and so we were standing, me, you and Lenny were standing together. And I love Lenny, I've known him. He was one of the first people when I, when I was, you know, in the wrong line of work. Uh, he was one of the first people who started, recognized, you should be a writer, can you give me books all the time? And he, he was just, he was amazing. He, he was like, you should read this and you should read that. Wow. He treated me like um, a fellow scribe reader person. And when I was very young. Oh, nice. Yeah. And by the way, um, everyone must read his new book. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. All right. Uh, Lenny has a new book called Lightning Striking. Oh, I don't know and, the book. I read uh, his Wayland book's incredible. His Wayland Jennings book's amazing. 
this is a, this is this going to be in the top ten of everybody's uh, history books of of, of rock. Uh, Did it come I, out? I, Did I it come it, out yet? Is it out? I think it's out. I got I think I got an advanced copy, but I think it's out. I'll get it. I'll make sure um, get it. Yep. He, he just he just uh, did like the 10, 10 cities, you know, the, the the sort of the rock history of 10 different cities, you know. And um I'm telling you right now, I'm I'm only uh I'm only I don't know what, four four or five cities in. And uh, it's absolutely incredible. I'm telling you, one of the best books. I've I'm going to get him on the podcast really soon because he's a, he, he means yeah. so much to me, actually. And I want to I do that. Talk, you know, you talk so incredibly well in the book about process. Could you just get a little bit granular about the process of writing the book? Because like you don't talk because it's right. You're talking about your process and all these other areas, even down to, you know, how you interacted with crews and how you manage the producers on Lilyhammer and when you know the, when the financier took a mic, it's amazing the way you talk about process on that. Uh, I mean, you would talk about going to the bar after work and what it's like in Norway. I mean, you, it's so detailed. Talk a little bit about the prospe- process of writing the book, the rhythm of how you worked on it, if you outline the rewriting, like just the daily grind of of writing a, a three hundred plus page book. You know. Well. Um... It, the, the trick, the trickiest part of it was, was um, what to what to put in and what to leave out. Uh, it, it could have literally been twice as long. Um, we, we, you know, we ended up so so. I would write and um, send it to Ben, the editor, and uh, and then we would discuss it. You know, we would discuss. Um, we would discuss that 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 chapter and and you know uh do, do, do we have the balance that i'm talking about um uh, is it too many characters you know you know am i am i am i doing too much in that chapter that so know, you would write a com- chapter over what a week or two weeks and then send the chapter in yeah yeah kind of like that you know back and forth and then we would talk sometimes two, three times a week about the chapter, you know, you know, uh, and so it was a lot of a lot of conversation. It was like a, it was a wonderful sort of uh, it ended up being like a psychoanalysis, you know, kind of sessions, uh, which which I found extremely helpful, uh, you know, what were you thinking back then, you know, sh- sh- you know, what just. Um, how much time to spend on any one particular incident or, or thought to make it to make sure you have the substance, but not bore people, you, you know, because I I'm always got I've always got that ADD ha- happening, you know, that, you know, okay. am I am I boring? I, you know, cause I, I I'm usually the first one to get bored. You know, well, you so understand I, I rhythm. Get- I mean, you understand rhythm. So you understand. I mean, rhythm yeah. is really important in this stuff. Yeah. Trying to move on. But at the same time, there was times when I said, well, I got to spend some time on this craft because that's why I'm writing a book. And if people are not interested in that craft, they can just skip it. You know, just skip a few pages. I mean, you know? I was so into all that stuff. That stuff's great. But was it, did it, uh, did you have any writers, not writer's block, but were you doubtful at all as you're going or were you flow? Once you start, were you able to just flow through? I kind of flow through because I, I decided I wasn't going to be too clever. Uh, I'm just going to really do it in a chronological way, you know, which which makes it a lot easier. Um, so pretty much the whole thing's chronological, I think. Um, and um, you know, just adding these little fun things in the, in the beginnings of chapters that make people think a little bit, you know, uh, you know, from the unwritten book stuff and uh, you know, chapter titles and, and, and those, uh, what they're called, those little, you know, a line or two before the chapter starts, there's a word for that. Um, you know, just trying to, trying to get as much information in as I could. And then, and then basically uh, a lot of the conversation was just, let's take out this, let's take out that. That's too much. You know, how negative should I be? Cause you know, the, the temptation when you write a memoir is of course one big act of revenge, <laughs> you know, it's really easy to make it one big act of revenge. And, uh, I wanted to be very careful about that. You know, I left a couple of assholes in, you know, just for eh, spice. you were very gentle you know? about it though. Honestly, you were gentle yeah. about it. And 
I mean, even no, the guy who got you to Norway under false pretenses, you were pretty gentle. So, I mean, there's, you know. I, I left a lot out. You know, I forgot how many, you know, how many jerks there was in, in my life. As you, as you go back, you start to relive it. You know, so I left out most of them. You know, I only put a, a, a few in. Uh, so, so, you know, I didn't want it to be, I didn't want it to be too negative. I wanted it to be more of a but, positive. And going alongside, I mean, there was a fourth thing that was happening in there, which you might call history, but I would also call, it, it is also, you would have been, and this is what I was saying, you're also a critic. Like, you're a rock critic. You could have been a rock critic if you, if you wanted to be. Uh, and I can only imagine some of the late night conversations that, you know, you and uh, that, that that you and Landau have, have had with each other uh, about, you know, about this. Stuff. Because there was one thing that I. I actually sent on to him uh, from the book, which was the thing you said, and I just want to talk it through for one second. The thing you said about Bruce and Bob, where, where you said Bruce was like the first through the critics right, talking about him, that not even Bob had these artistic pretensions. Uh, I and 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 it it confused me because I would have said I thought that Bob was the one who first thought of the rock musician as an artist. So I I you know here's what you say. I'll I'll read you what you say in the book. You 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 say the following. You you say. In spite of his game changing accomplishments, Bob Dylan didn't seem to have any artistic pretensions at all. Was was Bruce being influenced by the early writers like Landau and Paul Nelson and Greil Marcus, who were suddenly recognizing and celebrating this art form and treating it seriously? And you're 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 sort of saying, you know, Bruce even having artistic aspirations was odd because not even Dylan really did. And and I always thought of Dylan differently. So ex can you explain it to me? Yeah, it's a little hard to explain, but basically, uh, there there was no consciousness about it being an art form when Bob was doing what he was doing. He was doing what he was doing out of pure instinct. And, 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 and it, was a, it was the beginning of, of bringing the literary world, bringing obviously poetry and, 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 and uh, social concerns and political concerns and, uh, and, and metaphor and symbolism. You know, he was introducing all of that um, just from his own evolution as a writer. You know, he, he, he wasn't saying, I am uh, going to change the world of art by doing this. There was no such consciousness yet, you know, as opposed to the third generation, Bruce's in the 70s, where we were conscious by then that we were taking part in an art form. There was no such thing. You know, if you ask the Beatles or Rolling Stones or, or even the Who, you know, what are you doing? We're trying to have a hit. That's yeah, all. Yeah, I, I guess to me, Bob, you know, and again, and you know, you're Bob, closer to it than, than me, but I'm a lifelong, you know, very close student of Bob's. And and to me, I look at a hard rain and I, I see a guy who's pulling from all the art forms that exist. I mean, he even talks about, he even talks yeah. about Tangled Up in Blue. He even talks about a Tangled Up in Blue is a conscious... He's trying to represent in 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 a song what painters did with the perspectives, like, and he would give interviews about that. And and so I, yeah, to me, that, that was that's much later. That that's that's twelve years later. You yes, know, that, that's, that's a it. lot. That's a lot later. But in in the beginning, he's just writing in the tradition. He's trying to write the coolest folk songs that have ever been written, which he did. He yes. changed the entire folk world strictly by evolving it. You know, it wasn't it, it wasn't he wasn't making an effort to to change it. He just was doing what he what he his own instincts told him. You know, he wanted to write something better than the last guy. You know, or so are the, you talking you know, about a kind of are you talking about I'm so interested in that. Are you talking because you were there next to I mean, you're making these records with, with Bruce, as you're saying, you guys are are wrestling with this in some way. Are 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 you saying that there's a meta element, meaning Meaning suddenly in the third generation, because of the way critics wrote about it, you got the East Street Bruce and as and then the people working closest with him become aware of themselves as artists in a way that Bob couldn't. Yes. Is that the point, really? Total, total, total self-consciousness. 
Okay. Totally. That Bob couldn't totally. have because he was doing it first, inventing it. Inventing right. it without awareness in your, you're saying inventing it without Absolutely. awareness of the meta aspect of where he fit in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that extended all the way through the 60s, really, with everybody. You know, they were just evolving their own writing in this incredible renaissance where, you know, you got to compete with the greatest writers that have ever existed. So you're just trying to just be better, better, better. You didn't go home and say, let me copy what's on the radio today and, and you know, and do that it's the same way. You went home and said, let me create something great because by creating something great, it was going to be a hit because in the 60s, greatness was commercial. Okay? Greatness was commercial <laughs> as opposed to now in a, in a society where we wouldn't recognize greatness if it walked down the street, okay? And, and, and stepped on your house like the guy at the end of the <laughs> Ghostbusters, you know? I well, mean, I think you, know, you and I see this one differently, but no, I think there's no context. There's no context, you know, in the modern world. And, and, and I don't know. I know. would think an artist like Adele would appeal to you. She sings just like the singers that matter to you. And she tries to sing great, great songs to the best that she can. And like, I see someone oh, like yeah, Adele no, who's that popular and she's great. I think, you know? Yeah. No, no, I don't, I don't mean, I don't mean people are not great. I, I mean, greatness has no currency. You understand? In other yes. words, she's, she's selling records because people like the records, you know, they're not, they're not recognizing her necessarily uh, because of her art. Where she falls you know, on a on the tradition of these great torch singers, you're saying they're not. That doesn't matter. Almost they they yeah, don't even know matter. the. Yes, it's it's a bonus. If there's greatness, if there's greatness in in the commercial value of of something, it's a bonus these days. You know, and me and you are going to appreciate it. Okay, but the you know the, the pop world is not about greatness. Sorry, not not the modern pop world. The 60s pop world was, that's for sure. Dude, the I can greatest, talk. The greatest music ever made was 60s pop music as far as I'm concerned. You know? Oh, so this is what I love so much about your book. I could talk to you forever. Uh, you are you are sui generis. There is nobody like Steve Van Zandt in the world. You are one of one. And, uh, and man, uh, uh, I, I just encourage everybody to read the book. It is... It is a tour through the history of rock and roll, but filtered through the prism of somebody who not only watched it all go down, but as it was happening, was really thinking about it and was really thinking about why it mattered, how it mattered, who it mattered to, and when it would matter next. And uh, I'm so glad that I read the, you know, I had the time finally to read the whole book because I wouldn't, I wouldn't disrespect, I wouldn't talk to you until I... You know, that's the way I am. Like you, I wouldn't fucking talk to you till I read the whole book. No fucking way. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate that. You know, you can't. Yeah. I, I'm sure you've done a hundred interviews where they haven't read the book, but I won't do well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, see, the thing is, it, it's it's kind of two different books. You know, the, the first half of the book is, is, is uh, you know, local Jersey kid, you know, gets to the top of rock and roll. And, and that's a terrific story. It is by itself, you know. But to me, it starts getting more interesting when I leave. And, and this is where, I, again, I think the book can be useful. Um, when I left, and I think we talked about last time, I didn't feel like I was changing jobs. I was, it, it felt like my life was ending. Well, we talked about Sun City last time. That's why I didn't want to bring it up now. Believe me, if yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah, it no. now, if we talked about it now, and, and you, know, you were largely responsible for helping to end, uh, you know, one of the main forces, that uh, cultural forces that helped the people in South Africa to end um, apartheid. Obviously, they did it on the inside, but as outside agents, you were very helpful in 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 all that stuff. Uh, I really, yeah. all I want is, you know, I just want to know if you ever punched Paul Simon in the face or if you guys hugged. If you see Paul Simon now, do you do the bullshit hug? You're backstage. Do no, you give no, him a I bullshit don't. hug or not? <laughs> I think I actually, you do. I, I think you give him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is hard to believe, but I actually like him. I, I get along good with him. I, I, I really do. I always have. I've always gotten along just fine with him. And I like him and I have enormous respect for his writing. Uh, you know, he's incredible <laughs> to, to compete in that Renaissance period with the British invasion, man. He's and compete with Motown. He's one of the best know, who ever lived. Else. 
but I'm telling but, you, man. But you, know, but that, you that, got that, the sword that, out yeah. for him in the book, my man. You got the sword out for him no, in the no, book. No, no, I thought I was overly kind with Paul. I mean, I just, I just said we, you know, we just in the end, you know, agree to disagree on, on that particular subject. But that, but that was all, you know, everything else. I mean, the funniest uh, line in the book is the end of the dinner when he's got the picture with me. It's the funniest line in the book. Is just all right. Thank you, Steve, for doing this. Everybody, read. I'm glad to know you got a little bullshit in you. You'd give Paul a hug, even then, maybe a little noogie on top of the head. Maybe you give him one of these, a little, just a little noogie on the head when you give him a hug. Because <laughs> he, <laughs> it's in up to your chest, basically. But uh, guys, read the book. Let, let, let me just add one thing, if I could. Yeah. Are you out of time? You out of time? Yeah, but it's fine. Do it. Do it. Well, just, just one, just to complete the thought. Um, so I, at the time when I felt I was ending my life, okay, yes, uh, by leaving the band, I, I then accomplished everything I've accomplished in my life after that. Yes. Okay. You know, after I thought my life was over. So I thought, you know, this is something that maybe could be useful to people who are going to hit the wall in, in life. They're going to be disappointed in life. You're going to feel like a failure occasionally. You know, the, maybe the plan of your life didn't work out, okay? But if you can find a way to keep moving forward somehow, you know, then destiny can surprise you. And 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 and, and maybe, it, it, you know, destiny is not is not finished with you yet. So, you know, I think I'm a good example of that you know, having accomplished everything I've accomplished mostly, you know, after I thought my life was over. So I was hoping that that also could be useful for people. No retreat, baby. No surrender. I mean, it's right there. <laughs> it's right there. Everybody, uh, you can find yep. look, Steve's active on Twitter and he doesn't pull punches about anything. Uh, you can find him on Twitter uh, and uh, read this book. Go listen to the records. Read the book. When the E Street Band goes on tour, Go see the Street Band. When Steve goes on tour, go see Steve so he doesn't have to uh, feel like only uh, one one hundredth of the people go out and, and see him, as he said on the podcast and in the book. I have an answer for that, which I'll tell you in person sometime. I, I understand <laughs> it, and I'll tell you in person. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. It's interesting. You know, I'm saying it has nothing to do with myth. It just has to do with myth. I, I actually really understand it. It has to do with narrative and myth. That's what that's about. It's not about the quality right. of the music. It's about the narrative and the myth. Uh, and what it represents. That's what that's about. It's the reason. That's the hundred time thing. I can buy that. I can, buy that. I can buy that. All right, everybody. All right. Thank you, Steve. Great to see you, man. Take care. You of too, man. All right, Always well. good.